filibuster, filibuster freestyle. Filibuster, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's the filibuster freestyle. It's your buddy Gavin, and this is one we've been trying to do for a while. And we had a call in our near and dear friend, who's not very near, but is very dear, on the West Coast from Man Cook Good. That's right, Jeremy Johnson. What's up, Jeremy? Hey, Gav. How you doing? I'm great, man. I appreciate you uh, talking to me during what is probably your supper hour, uh, 7.20 on the West Coast, 10.21 here on the East Coast. Um, what's for dinner tonight, Mr. Man Cook Good? What's going on? I already, I already uh, cooked. I made some leftover stuff. I had uh, pulled pork leftover from Sunday's festivities. And I uh, roasted a sweet potato and uh, put it on some lettuce with some uh, tomatoes and a lemon vinaigrette and some lentils that were from yesterday. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, just a little uh, leftover mishmash. Well, it sounds like you do. I mean, a lot of the good work you do on Man Cook Good's Instagram feed seems to be what it appears to have been a mismatch that you turn into a beautiful creation. I'm not just pandering to you because you're my pundit today. For real, you make me hungry every time, dude. One of, one of the things I, I love about um, cooking is the logistics of using up the pantry. And, Correct. Uh, leftovers are a big part of that. And anytime I can make a new dish out of something that I already conceptualized and created, then um, I feel even better about it. It's like running a restaurant. That's how they do it. They don't waste anything in a restaurant. You just make it tomorrow special. That's right. That's right. Today's regular stuff is tomorrow's special. Now... Let's talk about today's special, which is an idea you had, which is especially during this ridiculous election season, somebody has got to be mindful of the fictional movie and television presidents that we've had throughout Hollywood over the years, and someone has got to attempt to break them down in terms of positivity, negativity, who's the best fictional president, who's the worst. There's been some presidents who've played themselves on television or the movies, and so you, Jeremy Johnson, and I are going to try to rank the movie presidents, the television show presidents, and frankly, we may tie it into this election a little bit. Is that fair? Oh, yeah. I think any chance we can talk about presidential stuff without bringing up uh, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, I think we're doing the world a service. You're welcome, everybody else. Thank you for listening. By the way, filibusterfreestyle.com is the website, at Gavin Viano is the Twitter handle, uh... SoundCloud, Facebook, Instagram, iTunes. You can search Filibuster Freestyle. There's a 99% chance you'll find us. And uh, JJ, of course, is at ManCookGood on Instagram. And uh, the blog is always popping, always looking good. So with that said, with the promos out of the way, JJ, any fake band names of the week? Any uh, things you're beefing about just to, before we get into this? Or are you good? No question. Now, what I would say is I had this weird idea when I was walking home tonight. I, I, I uh, went and got a little bite to eat. Um, I haven't fully sussed this out, but I want you and the filibuster freestyle listeners to, to marinate on this. I have this weird feeling of like if you were in a pinch and you had to call upon a Don Henley song, a Glenn Fry song, or a Joe Walsh song, all of the Eagles – which songs to use in certain situations? And I have not sussed it out beyond that, but I think that's going to be something we do because, like Vin Rames and Big Lebowski, I hate the effing Eagles. But 
I want to find. I want to find a way to make it relevant. All right, enough dilly dallying. So. Shout out to the big Lebowski. All right, good. All right, man. So let's do this. I'm going to give a little overview, as you suggested I should maybe do, on the fact that, number one, 40 of the 44 actual U.S. presidents throughout the history of time have been portrayed at least once in a movie. Uh, would you say – and that's, that's like literally like 10 elevenths of the presidents. Number one, hot take, not so hot take. If you're one of the four that hasn't, that's on you, dog. Uh, and I don't know who they are, and I don't really care, and neither does America. Um, way higher than I thought it would be in terms of presidents represented at least once, do you think? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, why are we making movies about Warren G. Harding? You know, I mean, what's, what's the point of James Madison? James Madison? I tell you, that, that, Benjamin, that Benjamin Harrison movie was riveting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I can understand John Adams with John Quincy Adams, really. Do we need a movie about that? Yeah, and couldn't we just stick him in? Maybe the reason he's been in is because he was, like, lumped into the John, John Adams saga. I don't know. All right. So that's one thing. Number two, a number of our actual presidents have played themselves. Uh, they're going to be ineligible for ratings in our fictional presidents of all time. But I do think it's important for us to kind of talk about who they were, what they did. So fun facts, Bill, Plint- Bill Clinton excuse me, played himself in 1996's the first kid, which I don't remember. Uh, Jimmy Carter was in a 1994 episode of Home Improvement. Uh, I didn't know that either. Uh, but good, good on, good on everybody for that one. Good for you guys. That's gonna win a trivia night one night. Oh my God! And you welcome everybody. You welcome everybody once again. Uh, a lot of self congratulations over here tonight, by the way. Anyway, um, who else we got? Oh, okay. Gerald Ford was in a 1983 episode of the show Dynasty. Uh, an Aaron Spelling vehicle, yeah. As, as himself? As Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford played Gerald Ford in a 1983 episode of Dynasty. Okay. Richard Nixon was literally on a show called Rowan and Martin's Laughing in 1968. I believe that is Dean Martin and some guy named Rowan. I don't know. Laughing is a classic. I know Laughing. I just didn't know who Rowan was. I guess he was the co-host. Oh, okay. And then, and then, of course, Barack Obama hosted a 2013 episode of Saturday Night Live. So, frankly, the only ones who really were, like, acting-acting, Bill Clinton in a cinematic masterpiece known as The First Kid, is really the only one in a movie. And then, of course, uh, he did that while, while president. So Jimmy Carter was long gone in 94. Gerald Ford was long gone from the White House in 83. Uh, Bill Clinton was the first president to, to do that while in office. Uh, a cinematic- Clinton was, was portrayed in uh, Primary Colors. He sure was, by our friend John Travolta. Well, that was when he was running for president, which really went over well for him. So we oh want. Oh my God! Did it ever? Did it ever? He became president for eight years, and he may become the first dude in a matter of months. We'll see. Um, all right. So here's what you wrote to me. You've got 12 movie and TV presidents in the order that you least likely would vote for them, or that you're your favorite or best representation. Uh, we can go through those, and if you have any that I don't have, or more importantly, if I have any you don't have, I'll just interject on those. But I like where we're going with this because as I pose to you the question of uh, which of these presidents are you most likely to vote for and uh, if we can get to it, which of these real-life actors is the most presidential in the real world, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, right. We could try that. 
And frankly, one more thing that I, that I do want us to think about it's a little. Franklys, by the way, so you're done. Okay. Okay. You gotta put Franklin on the bench. If I'm being earnest. <laughs> and and touche. Thank you for calling me out and stopping me for myself. Um, if there's a president who could deliver the line, get off my plane. Better than Harrison Ford as James Marshall in Air Force One. I think it's Morgan Freeman because he made the march to Penguins interesting. He could have definitely done get off my plane. And James Earl Jones might have been able to. There's definitely some guys that could do it, but um, you know Harrison Ford at the time was like the poster boy for movie making. So. Yeah, apex apex predator of the early to mid '90s presidential. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, anyway, let's get into your list, my man. Twelve names, and let's go from there. said I didn't even make my list because frankly again sorry darn it anyway Katie Holmes marrying Tom Cruise side note was one of the great tragedies of um, our 20s I think literally could have married anybody else or you know done what I did not get married in your 20s right right you know you were ahead of the ahead of the trend you waited to your 30s right I did but you know I was I was monogamous for you know the entire run well that's your deal I met my wife from I was there. You were Literally, I was there. Entire podcast about that night. Um, one day. One day we will do it. Archives. Right. I think you and I need to do that one together in the same room now, okay? Yeah. Uh, that's another story. Okay, so Mackenzie stinks. He doesn't even make my list. He's out of here. Who's next? Doesn't really matter. The regional office. Yeah, he could be like when he was the whip in the beginning of the show. He could be the speaker of the house. He could be. You can be totally corrupt as witnessed by our current, you know, legislative branch of the government. Correct. And still work for thirty years. But the executive branch, the federal government, not so much. I mean, he could drag the whole country into a recession with one bad incident. Correct. And I will say, man, has that show? And I've enjoyed it. I got into it late. And let's just, I'm going to break the fourth wall and just say it's a really riveting show. It's kind of off the rails, but the first three seasons were really great. Um, totally agree. that. He, but what I would say about him is I think he's the best portrayal of the ruthless, cutthroat nature of politics. He's easily the worst human being. Frank Unwerber, I mean. Not Kevin Spacey, the actor, of course. Nice guy. Friend of the show. Uh, love your work. Anyway, um, he's the most cutthroat. He's the worst human being. And again... He's aided by several seasons, which, sorry, I said again because I was going to talk about Martin Sheen's, you know, uh, ability to play President Bartlett, which we'll get to. But 
I think the TV presidents come off a little bit more presidential because we get more depth. We see them more for more time. We'll get to that. But anyway, uh, most reprehensible character, I think, documented-wise, Frank Underwood. I'm with you on that. I think it's not a fair fight in a way, even between movies and television, but definitely between movies, television, and real life. Because in in the media, in a scripted media, you get an opportunity to explain yourself. Correct. And the audience gets to see all the backstory that's applicable to the situation. Yeah. There, there's no like, there's nothing that nobody gets to know, and that you have a captive audience. So if you have a character that has anything compelling about them at all, you basically get some Stockholm syndrome with your viewers because they, they want to root for you because they're stuck watching you. So <laughs> right. Comparing these guys, you know, to um, to you know real presence is is kind of tough. Especially current ones, because they lose their luster pretty quickly when they're real people. Yeah, literally, like, after taking oath of office, literally the book closes, and they've lost 20% of approval. Yeah, it's like buying a brand new car. Yeah, depreciation is huge on the first day. You drive off the line, it's worth half of what you you paid for. Exactly. (laughs) Well said. All right, who's next? Oh, my God. President James Dale from Mars Attacks, Jack Nicholson. You are all over the place compared to me, and I love it. Okay, cool. President James Dale was such an idiot. He was a moron. He (laughs) he allows aliens to meet with the entire elected federal government in one bleeping room. He was completely insane. He, like, (laughs) shouted the launch codes at one point. He was like, you know, fire the missiles, fire the missiles. He, He was like, Max Andrew meets Donald Trump meets, you know... Jack Nicholson, every character Jack Nicholson's ever played since he was six years old. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the Al, Pacino, the Al Pacino syndrome of always playing Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade, just not blind after Friends of a Woman. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. He was like Norman Schwarzkopf, made, you know, everything terrible about, you know, everything. And it's like Tim, Bur- Tim Burton's version of idiocracy in a way, except there's no aliens yet. That's fine. Okay. Let me throw in one that you may not have, and maybe you do. Uh, Tim Robbins in Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, is the president. Oh, good one. Yeah, I and, him. and my only take on him, because it was not a very big role, is that uh, I like that he was the one who basically told Dr. Evil, like, because of inflation, a million dollars isn't worth diddly squat. And you got to ask for a hundred billion trillion dollars. Like, right, uh, right. I like that Tim, Tim Robbins was like, I'm going to laugh in the face of this evil megalomaniac because his ass, he's lowballed me. The move there, the move there was to say, okay, you drive a hard bargain, here's a million dollars. So really crummy advisors, really crummy decision-making on the fly, but I like that he stood up to the terrorist, Dr. Evil, and told him, if you're going to come at me, you better come at me way harder, bro. And he well, did, like we should have learned in First Daughter, you don't negotiate with terrorists. Correct. And he did stick to that mantra, and i got to give him credit for that. That is the number one rule of being a president in the movies. We do not negotiate with terrorists. You do not negotiate with terrorists. That's right. Okay. That leads Literally. to my next one, President Palmer of 24. Oh, boy. From Allstate commercials, Dennis oh. Haysburg. Also, he was the man who played Pedro Serrano in Major League. Well, that but, might be more relevant to what we're saying here. But maybe not great to, you know, like prepare you for your role as president. <laughs> I, in my opinion, he was a he's a stuffed shirt, okay, and he, he was like he was like strong and uncompromising and just always delivered everything with the same inflection. And 
All state. <laughs> exactly. He gets docked a lot of points, though, for specifically contributing to the United States' evolving views on torture and its effectiveness as an interrogation policy because literally during the W. Bush administration, torture was seen as maybe something that we should do partly because of the fictional program produced right down the street in Los Angeles called 24. Okay. Yeah, it worked for Jack Bauer. It worked for Jack Bauer was driving foreign policy decisions, okay? I, I, so President Palmer goes into that. He helped get us into this mess, whether he likes it or not. He was part of the problem. Okay. He was kind of a badass at times. He did shoot the hostage a few times, literally and figuratively. But okay. he gets middle middle ground here, okay? He, he bats like, you know, Pedro Serrano would have bat cleanup. He's, he's in like the seven hole. Yeah, you're trying to hide him. I get that. Okay, that's yeah. fair. Let's okay. You brought up. You brought up. I want to squeeze in a couple of these ones too, but they're not going to be in our rankings for obvious reasons. And I'll, we'll, I'll go into which is there are some actors who have played real presidents, which we talked about. I mean, there's been many, but some of right. some of the highlights for me and the one I want to bring up right now is Josh Brolin's excellent portrayal of of, yeah. of, of George <laughs> W. Bush. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you talk about a guy, you talk about Jack Bauer and Dennis Haysburg helping define waterboarding as being cool in the Bush administration. I'm paraphrasing here, of course, to the lawyers listening. Um, but Josh Brolin did a hell of a turn playing George W. Bush at multiple stages in his life. Props to you, Josh Brolin. You've come a long way since the Goonies, my friend. He did, he did to the point where, like, I want to walk out of that movie. Like, I, I was like, why did I do this to myself? I don't really want to live this part in our history all over again, you know? But a testament to how much he killed it, correct? Yeah, oh, he did a fantastic job. You know, also another guy that hit that category was Frank Langella, who played Nixon in the Frost Nixon. Oh, absolutely. Great call. Man, he was wonderful. It was a remake, I believe. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was. But it, it was a fantastic movie. It was fascinating because we have a little bit of time where we don't have to get angry about it anymore. And yeah. he did a wonderful job. He did. He, he actually did he put, die recently? Is he rest in peace? I'm not, I do not know the answer to that, but let's pour some out for Mr. Kiss. Did we just kill Frank Langella? Well, you know what? Dana Carvey literally killed Gerald Ford one time on Saturday Night Live. So, I mean, the bottom line is it's got to happen at some point. Frank, if you're with Frank us, good for alive. you. Frank is alive. Okay, you looked it up? Well, quick IMDb search. Good for you. You're all over it. Your crack research team is faster than mine. Anyway, um, good call on Frank Langello. And actually, he really did encompass... He really became Richard Nixon. That's great. Um, who you got next, man? All right, this is kind of a twofer because they're basically the same guy, and this goes right into that like Hollywood tradition of releasing two movies that are exactly the same at the exact same time to cannibalize each other's profits. Correct. A la Bugs Life and Ants, a la Deep Impact and Armageddon. Oh, we're going to talk about Deep Impact, baby. We'll, we'll get there. But yeah. this is the Olympus Has Fallen, White House Down. Yes, I'm glad you got there. Combo. Glad you got there. Glad you got there, buddy. Go for it. President Benjamin Asher, Aaron Eckhart of Olympus Has Fallen, and now, sadly, London Has Fallen. Okay, this is your classic, like, crisis under attack president with a little bit of Air Force One. Okay, his, his signature line is, I want open lines to the NSA, the CIA, the FBI, and then, as I add, every other acronym, which, by the way, is actually an initialism in the country. Okay, shades of Air Force One. Yep. And then, in Olympus to Fawn, Morgan Freeman gets a step up, and he when he becomes president because, you know, Aaron Eckhart is too busy, like, literally fighting for his life, and 
the vice president, I forget, I think he gets shot down or something. Yep. Morgan Freeman steps in as the third in line. Yeah, he's the Speaker of the House, Alan Trumbull. I have him in my notes here, yes. There you go. He gets to ask ethically for a coffee with three sweet and lows and half and half in a real cup. You know what's great about it? The moment that he takes the lead of the country, he asks for a coffee with three sweet and lows. He does a diner order from Denny's at four in the morning when you're on a late night ride. Uh, But you know what? When he says it, people listen because he's got an unbelievable voice. Um, Let's get into the fact, and actually talking about two for ones, Morgan Freeman, and we'll get back to, to White House down in a minute. Morgan Freeman has played the president twice. Yes, he has. He played the acting president, like we just talked about, Alan Trumbull, and he played the president in the movie you just brought up about cannibalization, Deep Impact. Yes. What I will say, especially about Deep Impact, because I believe it came out in 98, it may be one of the first times that I can remember where we had an African-American portraying the president. Um, And obviously he, he did it again as Alan Trumbull. Obviously, Jamie Foxx did it. Obviously, Dennis Haysburg did it. Obviously, Barack Obama as himself on Saturday Night Live was living it, which is fantastic. But I think Morgan Freeman's turn as the president in Deep Impact is amongst the first that I can remember, and if I'm off, so be it, uh, of having an African-American portray the president in a major motion picture. So, in a way, Morgan Freeman led to the um, ability of Barack Obama to become president because he... Let us dip our toe in the water as a country. And more importantly, here's a guy who's played God twice in both Bruce Almighty and Evan Almighty. If he can play God, he can play the President of the United States. And that's just a fact. It's basically the same thing if you really get right down to it. I'm not I'm here shrugging on an audio podcast, but whatever. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. Uh, which leads us to Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx. Black president. In Chan sorry, in Channing Tatum. Good boy. With Channing Tatum. Hey-oh! That movie, exactly. Breaking right. news. 2013. Breaking news. Uh, he plays president... Sorry, Jimmy Cook Fox's crying achievement was removing military forces from the Middle East. Good idea. Which he was then over-attacked by mercenaries. He nearly allowed the bad guy to blow up all of Iran, which was start of New World Order. He gets shot, survives, and then, as a reward, he takes his new head of security on a customized aerial tour of Washington, D.C. Yes. A great flick. Now, That's your synopsis. Now, now Jamie Foxx plays President Sawyer, and I believe he's literally just called President Sawyer. They don't give him a first name or a middle initial. Here's what I like about the Jamie Foxx character, President Sawyer. One of his most memorable quotes, according to IBMD, is, Get this trash off my lawn. Air Force One. Get off, get off my plane. So, again, an homage to the great uh, James Marshall, played by, I believe James Marshall, played by Harrison Ford. Okay, one more, that at least that I have on my list, and then we'll get back to your order, and he may be in your order, and if he is, speak up. Chris Rock playing Maze Gillum um, in 2003's epic Head of State. That ain't right. He did not make it, and, you know, through no fault of his own. Uh, did you know Samuel Jackson played the president, by the way? No, when? In 2014's Big Game. Yep. That one stuck by the radar. Publicity photos of him walking through like the wilderness with a hatchet in a suit. Okay. Seems like um, a little far fetched. <laughs> Danny Glover played the president. That's cool. Okay. In 2012, um, in uh, the movie 2012, 
There oh, you go. see, I missed that one too. I was, I didn't want to jinx the actual year by seeing that movie. You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> uh, and uh, James Earl Jones plays James Earl Jones played the president in 1972's The Man. Okay, so that totally trumps 1998's Deep Impact. Wow. Once again, James Earl Jones and Morgan Freeman are in this epic battle for who's got the coolest voice and who can play the president first. Okay, I get it. Well, James Earl Jones won the first, the second battle, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think he won the early arc on the first battle, but now Morgan Freeman's just doing so much work that it's like... Yeah, and there's just more work to do. No question about it. I mean, I looked at his page. We're getting off topic. He's got like six things in pre-production right now. Which is nice if you can get it. Okay, let's go to your next guy on your list or gal, probably guy. Okay, now, now he, I realize about at this point in the list that I don't have any woman on this list. Yes, and that's not because I don't think that a woman could be a fantastic president. Correct. Um, especially a movie president, because I mean Charlie Sheen was a movie president. It's just because <laughs> movie presidents have not been played by women a lot. The most famous one right now is Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Veep, which, by the way, I might end up doing some work on um, coming up in the next month or two. Even better. But uh, President Lanford in Independence Day Resurgence, which I didn't see, played by Seal of War, very presidential. And um, in my favorite, really, um, President Mackenzie Allen, Gina Davis. Yes. Is that show still on? No, okay. no, definitely not. That's been canceled for 10 years. Oh, Christ, really? <laughs> Welcome to 2016. Good. Shout out to President Constance Payton, Alfrey Woodard on State of Affairs. All right, so you've done, your, you've done your, 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 your female president homework, and that's fair. Let's talk about Selena Meyer a little bit. And obviously, if you're going to do some work on the show, we're going to stress we're talking about the character here and, of course, not the great Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Um Definitely, I think she and her staff are the best portrayal of a me-first, the me-first nature of Washington, D.C., um, you know, public servants who are serving themselves. Uh, also the best portrayal of having a complete, uh, a completely 100% staff full of dimwits, dullards, and sycophants. Um, I think there's a lot of realism in a show that's actually supposed to be a farce, um, and despite the fact that it's somewhere between a romp and a farce, I think it's actually one of the best inside baseball portrayals of like life inside of a, an important office in DC. Romp farce is that a new word? Is that a fake band name of the week? Farcical romp. A farcical romp, a romp of farcical. What's up? We're farcical romp. Are you ready? I thought so. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Everyone. You know, that, that gives me a good segue. I'm gonna skip someone and come back to him. Okay. Because yeah, this is a this is a theme in presidential stuff. There's a ton of presidential movies in the '90s, and one of the themes about movies in the '90s was a very liberal time in Hollywood's history. Is we had a lot of faith in big government then. Yes. There was always, you know, when the moment when the when FEMA showed up or the president got involved, you could just deliver a speech or you could just have the you know the trucks, the yellow trucks show up. 
or you could have the F-16s come and bomb somebody into oblivion, and everything was going to be okay because Hurricane Katrina hadn't happened, right. and 9-11 hadn't happened, and every other thing that's happened in the last, you know, essentially 16 years that has happened to shake our confidence in our leaders hasn't happened. Right, it was a golden era. It was a golden era for the federal government, and, you know... It, the, um, the show The West Wing, which started in the 90s and, and ran through 2006, was mostly about the staff. Yeah. And, um, and it's the complete polar opposite of Veep. And I know that Veep is a, is a you know, a farcical. But, um, you know, The West Wing was a semi-serious show, a very serious show. And everybody in there, all that staff, was very serious, even if their political views weren't, like, in agreement. They, they took their job very seriously. And it was all about the American people and the love affair between the American people yeah. and the president yeah. and vice versa. Now, Martin Sheen, mostly in-house drama, but he was, like, because of his interpersonal dealings, his daughter got kidnapped. We had lots of Middle Eastern terrorists, another, um, another hallmark of uh, 90s present movies. Government shutdowns. Pretty tame nineties government drama, if yeah. you get right down to it. Absolutely. But your... nobody being beheaded by, you know, terrorists on bridges, you know, by children who have been, you know, bombs strapped to their chests. Correct. We we hadn't gotten to that point yet on television. And, and unfortunately life has allowed us to, to get there. Um, so how do you feel about President Bartlett, aka Martin Sheen, in that show? The West Wing. I think he was great, man. I think um I think, you know, it's Aaron Sorkin's, like, uh, you know, his fantasy for the presidency and for, you know, the, the, the liberal president. And I think that the show itself was very successful, and I think that he was a very likable guy. And, you know, if I, if I remember correctly, there was no actual war that he had to preside over. And everything was always the threat of something, but it, it never actually happened. They always fixed it. They always headed it out of the past. Which goes towards this utopian vision of, yeah. like, the yeah. Rob Reiner, Aaron Sorkin, you know, utopian democratic socialist governments. Absolutely. Let me get this in before I forget. I want to go back to Chris Rock and the head of state really quickly, okay? Yeah, please. Because what I thought was funny about that movie, because it came out in 03 America, George W. Bush was really doubling down on, if we're not going to war, you're, you're not patriotic. Um, let's let Halliburton make a trillion dollars. And in no way am I uh, have any vested interest in that. Oh, wait, maybe I do. Um, that's fine. Bottom line, super-duper commentary on America under George W. Bush. What I find funny is that it came out in 03, which is one year before Obama's favorite, excuse me, excuse me, famous speech at the 2004 Democratic National Convention in Boston, which is interesting because um, I'm sure that Chris Rock thought the country was much further away from meeting candidate Obama than we actually were. I mean, we were, we were within 12 months or less of Barack Obama becoming a, a national figure and setting himself up to eventually become president. But in 03, if you're Chris Rock, I mean, his political commentary was spot on. I think, I just think he had no idea how close America was to joining him and to like allowing Barack Obama, the candidate, to become a rock star candidate, to become a two-term president. It's just a little bit – it's funny because I'm sure Chris Rock thought we were never going to get there and little did he know we were like a year away from meeting this guy, Barack Obama. It's kind of interesting. That's okay. a good point. Yeah, it's a very good point and it is interesting. Um, and I don't think America knew um, <laughs> what was coming. No. I don't think anybody knew how close they were. 
No, I mean, it, it came out of nowhere. I mean, it literally came out of nowhere, and, and that's great, and it's, it's been a really interesting ride since then. Um, all right, let's get back to the countdown, my friend. All right, speaking of serious liberal media bias, the precursor to the West Wing was um, President Andrew Shepard and the American president, played by Michael Douglas. Ironically, Martin Sheen was his chief of staff. That's a great point. It was almost as though he was running for president that entire in that time. Movie. Yes, sir. Yeah. Because Martin Sheen wasn't quite the star that Michael Douglas was. And back in that those days, Michael, uh, Michael Douglas caliber actors did not do television. Correct. Right? There wasn't a thing back then. Right. They just did movies. So this president, all right, has to decide. This is a romantic comedy that takes place in the Oval Office. And let, let's, I mean, let's, let's really think this through. It's 1995, by the way. It's 1995. It's like, it's hilarious if you think about it. The president has to decide between a new love, who's a, um, a lobbyist, which was okay then, I guess, to sleep with lobbyists a little bit. He has to decide between a new love and pushing through the most aggressive climate change legislation in history. Okay? In the end, if you give some good speeches, and if you flash a little bit of, it, a little bit of weight at a cocktail party, you can save the ozone layer, ozone layer and get the girl. <laughs> Talk about having your cake and eating your ozone layer, too. He did deliver one of my favorite lines of movie president history. Yes. When he, he rips apart his um, political opponent in an impromptu... Bob Rumson. ...the White House. Yes. Wait, by Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> who is, like, basically the villain for no reason. We don't know anything about him other than the fact that he opposes our hero, President Andrew Shepard. Correct. The, the quote is... This is a time for serious people, and your 15 minutes are up. Yep. My name is Andrew Shepard, and I am the president. Correct. Okay. Nailed it. He did Completely nail it. Completely nailed it. Now let's, wow. Yeah, now let's talk. Here are my notes on this one. So Andrew Shepard, it's a Rob Reiner film, so you know, number one, it's going gonna, it's gonna to skew liberal, which is cool. I love when Rob Reiner's on Bill Maher. A lot of fun. Written by Aaron Sorkin, who wrote The West Wing. Um... Annette Benning does a really nice job as Sidney Ellen Wade. Um, Richard Dreyfuss actually does a great job being the pompous windbag without substance opponent, to your point a minute ago, Bob Robson. Michael J. Fox, also a co-star on the staff. Nice. And I just, what I did right was Andrew Shepard gives a great retort to Robson defending his relationship with Sidney Ellen Wade. And I didn't write this down, but my other favorite part of that speech, because you got the, the end there, was when he's like, if you want to throw them, like, you know, if you want to get in the ring, you better leave her alone because she's out of your league, pal. Like, they, right, like, right. Yeah. It, was, it was like a little bit um, sense of a woman, Al Pacino, at the end defending, um, you know, what's his name? Oh, my God. The, the, good, the, the good-looking kid, O'Donnell, Chris O'Donnell. Um, and a little bit, you know, a little bit rock and roll. That's what that was. But uh, it was pretty good. And it was basically, I'll take a flamethrower to this place, but with much more decorum. Um, right. right. And what I would say finally is um, I like that it was a very progressive and kind of on-the-spot future of the Democratic Party in terms of what his agenda was that he was trying to put, push through, um, what his opponent was doing, which is basically being, I'm Bob Rumson, you don't know a thing about me, and I'm running for president. And like, Ted Cruz, anybody? Um, I know, I know. <laughs> just saying. So anyway, I thought that Rob Reiner kind of saw the future, if you will, um, for better or for worse. In a way, it was, you know, it was a little bit of future telling, really. It, it, um, 
in that respect, definitely. Where do you think Andrew Shepard? I don't I don't know what your numbers are right now. Where do you have him ranked? I have him ranked um, fifth, just below Jed Bartlett. Okay. Like one, two, three, four, five, six. I have him ranked sixth. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. Because I mean, I think he's I think he's definitely top five. Okay. Good stuff. Keep going. So you get Jed Bartlett. Uh, he, did, he didn't get a, he, you know he he didn't get higher than six because. I think that we didn't get as much time with him as we got with Jed Bartlett, and he didn't face a lot of the same things that our top four, our final four got. Okay, okay so we know Jed Bartlett's five. We've talked about so, Jed Bartlett. Let's get to number four. Number four, and this is the people's choice right here, is President Dave Kovic, um, played by Kevin Klein and Dave. Okay. Yep, on my list. On my list. On my list. The, the everyman president, okay? If anybody who doesn't remember, Kevin Klein plays a temp agency manager who moonlights as a presidential impersonator, and he gets a call to cover for the president who had a stroke while dealing with a woman he was not married to. Boom, double boom. His everyman enthusiasm reinvigorated reinvigorated the presidency, and he uses his buddy, who's like a CPA from like the suburb, to trim the budget and to save basically the country, but mostly just a homeless shelter. And then he comes up with a speech uh, that promotes a jobs bill that promises jobs to every American who wants a job, which is a beautiful. I mean, Frank Underwood's doing that in House of Cards now, so they're still using that right, one. Right? Yeah, we got. I mean, everybody that wants a job. I mean, like that's your stipulation. You know, like, oh, I don't want a job. Oh, okay, you're cool. First of all, what a great way to ensure that I don't want a job by saying anybody who wants one gets one, which means it's probably a pretty crummy job that pays nothing. Yeah. Um, in the end, he gets the girl, and then he convincingly fakes a stroke, and completes the switcheroo, and runs for city council. <laughs> I forgot he ran for city council at the end. That was the end. He runs for city council. Okay. Okay, I like that. I, I told a couple people I was doing this podcast, and Dave came up way more than you would have anticipated. Well, let's... You would think it would be Harrison Ford over and over. No, no, I'll tell you what. And let's give Kevin Klein some more credit, okay? Because technically... He plays two presidents in this movie. And by technically, he actually plays two presidents in this movie. Yes, he does. He plays the aforementioned Dave Kovic, and he plays the real fake president, who's a total DB, Bill Mitchell, who has a stroke, to your point. So, so here's, here's the deal. Kevin Klein was super likable. The Dave trailer on YouTube almost made me want to watch the whole movie again. You've got... <laughs> I mean, I, I hadn't thought about it. There's the one where he's in the, the factory with the giant robot arm, and he tells a fish tale. I call it a fish this big. I forgot, like, when I was eight. I love that line. Um, maybe not eight. Let's call it 12. Um, a young Vin Rains is involved in Secret Service. You get some quality. Sigourney Weaver. Uh, Weaver. Charles Grodin is the aforementioned uh, buddy, who I believe is the uh, CPA who's got, a, who's got a plan for the trillion-dollar budget deficit. He, he, like, he took a day off from H&R Block to to, to balance the entire budget, no big deal, and they pushed it right through. Uh, you've, you, and again, just a tip of the cap to Charles Grodin for his turn in Midnight Run with Robert De Niro, one of my favorites of all time. Ben Kingsley, from like winning all kinds of Oscars all day fame, is in the movie, and even a younger Laura Linney. I mean, what a great cast, what a great movie. And to your point, I forgot that I even liked that movie until we started doing research for this podcast. One thing that, you know, when it came to research, I, I got all sorts of American, you know, uh, nationals flowing through me, like every, you know, all, and listen, all these speeches, and, you know, this is like the best that America, oh, another line from uh, Andrew Shepard is, 
being American is advanced citizenship, you know, like right, right, right. Okay, with freedom of speech, even if you abhor what they say and they burn the flag, you have to defend them. And, well, you know, it makes you feel really great to be American. Yeah, that's Aaron Sorkin and Rob Reiner at their best. That's no question right. about that. As opposed to how we feel, you know, today when we watch the news, it's nice to feel proud of being an American again, even if for just even if it was the nineties and it was fiction and it's on the podcast, exactly. Right, right. <laughs> um, All right. The next one is um, you know kind of an upset that he slipped to third because I think a lot of people would have had him first. But um, I'm going to give it to President Thomas J. Whitmore, Bill Pullman of Independence Day. Yeah, he's easily easily on the medal stand. If not, I mean, he, he's got in some ways he saved he saved the human race. But he, what he didn't just save America, he saved Earth. Right. He flies jets. He kicks ass. He continues the '90s American faith in big government. His uh, his you know. We will not go quietly into the night. He uses alliteration. We will not vanish without a fight. He talks about no more petty differences and fighting for freedom on the 4th of July against annihilation. Not against taxation without representation, but annihilation. <laughs> he nails it. And then he gets in a jet and he leads uh, you know, a squadron. Which, a squadron with, with like children and Will Smith and, and Randy and, and uh, Randy Quaid. <laughs> Remember me, boys? I'm back. <laughs> That's the best line in the movie. <laughs> I love that movie. Man. I wish I had seen the new one, but I just I didn't even bother seeing it because I knew it just disappointed me because that first movie was so awesome. Well, you got true, I mean, like, again, I wrote down, best known for his rousing, hey, earthlings, let's save our planet speech, which was great. Um, this movie officially, I think, launched Will Smith into a true A-lister f- status. Um, again, I'm just giving some background to this film. Um, I think I remember the wrong movie. Okay, bottom line is you got Jeff Goldblum, you've got all kinds of action. You got a young Vivica A. Fox. Um, man, I tell you what, special effects that were were cutting edge, cutting edge special effects at their time. Absolutely. I and saw let's, the movie the first time in a drive-in movie theater as though it were in, in the 50s. In Menden, okay. Was it in Menden, Mass? Uh, is that the one? The one that's down near 140? No, I saw the one in Spencer. Oh, even better. Dude, I'm in Spencer. Spencer. Spencer, Mass, brother. That's how they talk there. No offense, everybody, yeah. but it's true. All right. Um, that's a great call. Great movie. Love it. I didn't see Resurrection or Insurrection ID42 either. Don't, didn't need to. Didn't need to. Correct. I did read that during my research. It didn't seem like I really wanted. I didn't want to see President Whitmore like that. It's like I didn't want to see. You know, I didn't want to see. I would say Ronald Reagan, but like with Alzheimer's, like no one wants to see that. Yeah, you saw him for four years, and he was actually the president. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Anyway, <laughs> no, I didn't, well, it didn't. Doesn't. It's all good. Okay, so who's number two, man? Harrison Ford, President James Marshall, Air Force One. I don't know. The biggest individual badass of the bunch. JJ, here's the deal. I have no idea who you're going to go with number one. Don't tell me yet. Because how the hell are these three guys that you just named not one of them being number one? What? I don't know who you're hiding up your sleeve, and I can't wait. But let's talk about James Marshall. Well, Harrison Ford played James Marshall, and he, he literally kicked ass. But he only led the country from like the prison of his plane. He gave us a signature line. Get, get off my plane. plane. And he did give a speech about eschewing politics for the greater good and, you know, in regards to the Russians. But he, um, you know, what else did he do 
worth them to coin a great phrase from a couple elections ago, but like, you know, I mean, really, what did he do besides save his own ass? True, and ruin his plane, which we all paid How for. How would he handle like a Tea Party shutdown? How would he handle, you know, a terrorist attack that, you know, involves somebody other than him? We don't know. He may have been great at it, but we don't know because all we saw all was right. him, like, punch a bunch of people in the nose. All right, so you're saying a very limited micro form of, of governance that you just can't equate to leading the largest, you know, not the largest democracy in the world, the second largest, but I get the point. Okay. It's certainly a great resume. He came in, um, he came in second. Totally. Can I give you... Gary Oldman is the bad guy. Phenomenal, as always. Yeah. God bless Gary Oldman, his ability to just blend into characters. Glenn Close as, as the VP. Good, uh, yeah, good yeah. stuff. Uh, all right, dude, I have no you idea. Harrison Ford is the number one grossing um, actor in America, or in the world, I should say. Well, you got to figure Star Wars franchises, Indiana Jones franchises, these Jack, the Jack Ryan franchises, Air Force. I mean, there's so much. 41 movies averaging $118 million apiece. Okay, that goes over a long way. So it's over a billion dollars, correct? Or no? Yeah, he's grossed like $4.871 billion at the box office. No wonder Ally McBeal likes him so much. Um, you know who, I've waited on him, by the way, a long time ago. You know who the number two one is? Totally off topic. Who's that? Samuel Jackson. Mm-hmm. That's some good beer. Now, his per his per movie average is much lower, but because he's been in so many pictures, correct. He's he, got that gross. Do you know what he was? Do you know what he was great in? Was Jackie Brown? Just saying. Yeah. Well, he always plays a black guy. You know. True. That is the that is the one thing. The same one. Yeah, but he's always got this great. He's got a great wig guy. You know, to quote Ben Stiller from Starsky and Hutch. Yeah. He was in my he was in my third grade pictures, man. He was I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie though, I rewatched Pulp Fiction the other night and I just Jules uh-huh. Winfield gets me every time. Um, you can watch that movie every night. Every That leads us to the number three grossing actor of all time, Morgan Freeman as President Beck. Wow. In Deep Impact from nineteen ninety eight. So he's your number one guy. He's my number one. Wow, why? Why? And I don't I don't mean that in a bad way, I just mean like why? Because in a moment of annihilation Okay, when the human race is about to be extinct, he gives the the worst screwed speech so well and with such calmness. He basically takes us through a uh, Neil, uh, you know, uh, what's his name, Neil Degrassi Tyson version of like yeah of the the you know the meteor secrets of the universe yeah and, and it breaks off and there's a six square mile chunk and you know and. It, and he basically, like, preaches calm that almost works. I mean, everybody kind of kept it together, you know, which might have also been part of the whole, like, the media um, conspiracy where, like, look at all these people being calm in the face of imminent doom. Although there's always that one jerk who, like, trips somebody and yells, we're screwed, and everything falls apart. Right, of course. <laughs> he announces to the nation that, like, we're going to work with the Russians to blow this thing up, although we won't know if it works until the last second. And, um... You know, we are basically screwed anyway, and I preach calm, and by the way, if you do anything stupid, I'm declaring martial law, and you will be dealt with swiftly and without, you know, anything being held back. And he does it in a way that, you know, you're like, well, I understand that. That's totally fair. What other president declares martial law, and you come out of it feeling like he's doing you a favor? Correct. Well, when the planet's about to get completely ruined by an asteroid, that's, you know. Which, it... Kind of feels, kind of feels like, kind of feels like, feels like shuffling. He did have the idea to like put like a million American 
it's out of at that point like 250 million you yeah. like a million in like some caves underground in Iowa and to that I'd be like well I mean can we a million like is that should she maybe even mention the number just say like we have a larger group of people we are yeah. you're not one of the lucky ones but yeah, uh, you know, some people are gonna live you're, you're not a you know you're not a carpenter like you really you didn't make the cut sorry right you're, well like, and that's actually like 10 baristas and you're not one of them yeah, yeah, yeah. We only need so many mocha chocolates. You know what I mean? So you mentioned not making the cut. And here's my only – I'm not even going to rebut it. I think it's a good point. I think you make good sense on – with the exception of Bill Pullman reuniting the planet Earth against the alien destruction, this is a different speech and I get that. The problem is that this movie, at least in my opinion, was the junior varsity version of Armageddon. And now Morgan Freeman. I have a real problem with Armageddon. Okay. That damn song by Aerosmith, and because it signaled the beginning of the end of Ben Affleck's like um, first career you know, respectability of his first launch. What was funny about Ben? I'm an Affleck fan, but it made me. It was the first time that I was tired of looking at his face, and I had to listen to that song for about forty-five minutes. And even so, when I close my eyes, my God, blah 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 blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It also was the end of Aerosmith doing popular love ballads, so we got something good out of it. Um, Except, no, because then, like, you know, the Red Sox would trot Steven Tyler out to sing the national anthem every, like, few years, and another national embarrassment would be upon us. <laughs> True. Okay, so who have we missed? Let's just see if we've missed anybody here. Um, we got the Tim Robbins. We got Selena Meyer. I mean, I think we got most of the people we wanted to talk about. So let's talk about really quickly maybe even like who are these presidents would you vote for in 2016 versus what we got for major party choices right now um top four easily top six i guess even Bartlett and shepherd unfortunately we don't have any um any republican is underwood a republican no democrat no uh, he's a he's a georgia democrat right south carolina yeah. democrat same deal Yeah, for obvious reasons. Yeah, um, from that list, um, you know, there's there's a lot of other presidents out there. I mean, there's Gene Hackman, play the president, and uh, you know, I don't know if I want to be him to be president after seeing his performance on either stuff. You know, what's really funny about Gene Hackman is there are some roles he plays, and I'm like, I love Gene Hackman, and there are some roles he plays, and I'm like, I hate Gene Hackman, and it. Does it mean that I actually hate the character, or do I just don't like the way he's playing the character? I don't really know. It means that you hate um, the character. It means he's a really good actor. That's what I thought. Was a tip of the cap to Gene Hackman. Come on the show whenever you'd like. Um, I would not vote for Billy Bob Thornton from Love Actually. Oh, what a... I mean, you know what that is, and it's okay. Let the Brits have their moment. That, that's a, that was during the George W. Bush run, too, when all the English were like, I can't believe we have to keep latching our wagon to this guy's star. And that was like the British directors, or at least our boy Hugh, being like, you know what? I'm telling Thornton off. I would vote for James Cromwell from The Sum of All Fears, which featured Morgan Freeman, by the way. Dudes and everything. Everything. Um, I, uh, I would vote for acting president Glenn Allen Walken, John Goodman from the West Wing, and even consider Matthew Vicente Santos, Jimmy Smith from the West Wing. I forgot that Jimmy Smith got the gig at the end there. How 
about Jimmy Smith? He's like, he cleaned up for Caruso on NYPD Blue. He cleaned up for, you know, the folks on West Wing. It's like, Jimmy Smith comes in and makes the big bucks at the end when no one gives a crap anyway. I love it. Right, right. He's, just, he's like, he's the closer after the, after the game's already over. You know, it's a blowout. It's 10 to 2. And they just bring in, you know, a guy to just mop up the rest. Right. It's like, well, Jimmy's not going to, like, make the, you know, Jimmy's not going to. Well, the game will end on time if Jimmy's pitching. <laughs> Did you know that uh, Mark Cuban played the president in Sharknado 3, Oh Hell No? I am not someone who's viewed any of the Sharknados. <laughs> I haven't either, but this list has. So no, Jared Jer- played the president, speaking of Big Lebowski from earlier. I guess the point is, earlier in the show, we can maybe end it on this, unless we got anything more pressing to talk about, but... I'm no longer surprised that 40 of our 44 presidents have been portrayed by somebody because it, pretty much everybody in the world has played the president. Yeah, every, um, every distinguished um, actor, just potentially distinguished actor, and then the, the, uh, the farcical, um, you know, ironic presidential choices have played president. And then a smattering of women just for, you know, just for looks. Yeah, here's my here's my but for the look of the show or the movie. How about this how about this take right here, really quickly. Michael Keaton was a convincing Batman, but an abomination as a president. Well, you know, I mean that to be fair was the result of the you know, the product the vehicle that he was in, it was a terrible movie, and he probably just needed the money at that point in his career. Correct. But what I find interesting is that like George Clooney, who was a terrible Batman, uh, really a terrible Bruce Wayne were to play a president, I think I'd buy it. Yeah, I'd buy it. He's a little too slick. He'd have to, like, uh, you know, he'd have to be a little bit less leading man-ish, I guess. But if Michael Douglas could pull it off at that point in his career... Michael Douglas is kind of dirty, you know? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He played some dirty characters. He was uh, the king of the, the 80s, um, you know, drama. No question. Gordon Gekko. The thriller. Gordon yeah, Gekko. Gordon Gekko, exactly. All right, man. Uh, Luke Wilson played the uh, president in Idiocracy, which apparently is a representation of our current state of presidential affairs, which I didn't watch. But he and Terry Crews both played president. Love that Terry Crews. Um, all right, man. Anything else? What's going on with uh, – you might be working on Veep. What's going on with that? That's cool. I just did, I just did six weeks on a show called Pitch, which is about a girl who um, becomes a – she gets called up to the majors after being in the minors for five years. And she um, becomes a starting pitcher for the San Diego Padres. And, you know, it actually, I saw the premiere, and it's actually going to be a pretty good show. You know, especially as, like, a baseball fan. But, like, it sounded like it was going to be something terrible. I read the script for it, and I was like, man, this is really trite. Really trying to catch on to the scandal um, vibe with the lots of fast-talking. and the Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, I saw the first episode, and um, I'm, I'm intrigued. And for a network TV show, I think it's going to have some merit. So, oh, all right. Well, we might have to look at – is that one of those, like, Shonda Rhimes shows or one of those people? It exactly is, yeah. Maybe you and I should do a little – because we're the two, like, probably least likely guys to do it – a ranking of Shonda Rhimes' NBC show characters at some point. You, you know, I mean – Guess who's in trouble? McDreamy and McSteamy. They're in trouble, brother. You don't tell your people to um, like your podcast on um, iTunes, and we even leave a rating like that. That um, That's huge. review and rating—it's really big for you to move up in the ranks. And if you're a fan of the show, and if you listen to the show, and if you appear on the show, 
take the time to sit down on iTunes and, and give the show a little bit of love because it'll help gain some more listeners and then we'll all be rich, right? Is that how this works? I think it's how it works and I appreciate your impassioned plea. Um, yeah, definitely everybody. You can go on SoundCloud and leave comments. Definitely rate us on iTunes. You can leave comments on the website, philobusterfreestyle.com. And speaking of the website, here's a good place to leave it. JJ, when are you going to write an opinion piece for philobusterfreestyle.com? Uh, you know, I don't know, man. I mean, definitely someday, you know, you know. All right, well, at least like the show on iTunes, gosh darn it. All right, man, I'm going to get you out of here on that. Stick around, let's catch up. And by the way, I've got an idea for the Sox playoffs that involves me, you, Andrew Patterson, and immediate feedback of Red Sox playoff games. It could be badass. Philbuster Freestyle, JJ, check him out at Man Cook Good on Instagram. And uh, thanks for being on the show, man. Great job tonight. Thanks, Kev. Good night. Philbuster Freestyle. That's the end of the podcast, folks. Follow us on Facebook and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks. Peace.